Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman, and welcome to episode zero of my new podcast, uh, this has been something, it's been in the works here for a little while, and this is going to be a show that will be uploaded to the YouTube channel, uh, but I'm really gearing this to audio listeners who use uh, podcast apps, and I've got my podcast feed all over the place. You can search for my name or lon.tv to find it. I have the RSS feed that you can find at lon.tv slash podcast as well to get all of the uh, necessary links to get it into your favorite podcatcher. So if you are listening to podcasts, if you search for me, Uh, this should show up. And my plan is to do a podcast episode, at least initially once a month. And I may pick up that pace depending on what your response is to it. Uh, And then I'm also posting the weekly wrap up uh, every week on that feed as well. So there's a lot of audio content out there already, and this will feed uh, into that. And uh, this was a really good week to start the podcast because we had this big sales tax issue Uh, pop up with Newegg.com for Connecticut residents. And I happen to be a Connecticut resident, and I talked about uh, what I got in the mail over the weekend from my state taxing authority uh, looking for back-use taxes on items that I purchased from Newegg. And I did a video on this the other day. You can check that out to get all of the background. But uh, basically what's happened here is that Newegg has turned over uh, customer sales data to the State Department of Revenue Services in Connecticut Uh, That agency, in turn, is sending out letters to taxpayers, like they did to me, uh, to get use taxes out of them because Newegg does not collect sales taxes. And uh, what we're going to do in this podcast episode, the number zero, the first one, uh, is first of all, get a statement from Newegg. They finally talked on the record about this with me, so we're going to look at that. And then I also got an interview this morning with the Department of Revenue Commissioner here in Connecticut uh, to get his take on this and why the state is going through this whole effort in the first place. And we'll get into some detail with him as well. So lots of stuff to cover here. And if you don't want to listen to it on YouTube, you can download it and get it on your favorite podcatchers. So we've got plenty to look at. But let's first take a look at this issue and uh, dive into it. Now, this all began with this letter that I and many other Connecticut taxpayers received from the Department of Revenue Services. And uh, what they told us in this letter is that Newegg has provided the Department of Revenue Services, DRS, records of your online purchases during taxable years 2014, 2015, and 2016. According to these records, you made purchases from Newegg in at least one of these years, but were not charged Connecticut sales tax. Therefore, you owe state use tax on the items you purchased because you did not pay sales tax to a retailer. The sales records provided by Newegg indicate that you made purchases, in my case, totaling $4,330.50. DRS records indicate no use tax paid by you on these purchases, and as such, you owe the following amount of use tax interest and penalty. And in my case, they said I owed $332.74. Uh, Later in the letter here, it says, however, DRS is providing you with an opportunity to resolve this use tax liability now without incurring penalty. If I sign the enclosed use tax acceptance form and return it with a check, 
uh, they will waive the penalty and I can pay a little bit less and they ha then have some uh, information for me to uh, maybe contest this or whatever if I have something I want to uh, pull out of this figure. So there are, there are ways that you can go about contacting them about it. Now, right before I got this letter, Newegg sent me an email uh, that said, a recent Connecticut law requires Newegg to disclose the amount you spent with us for the years 2014, 2015, and 2016. We do not collect sales tax on behalf of the state, but customers are required to file a sales or use tax form and pay tax on all taxable purchases. Uh, and that is true in most states that have sales tax. If you don't get your sales tax collected by a retailer, uh, you are still responsible for the percentage of sales tax on that item. And uh, this is something that a lot of people think should not be the law, but it is the law. And if you spent a lot of money with Newegg over the last three years, uh, they have turned over all of that data to Connecticut. Now, the next paragraph here, after detailing my expenditure, expenditures, says, in accordance with the new law, again, they use that word new law, Newegg provided the Connecticut Department of Revenue Services with the total dollar amount of purchases made by you during these years, but no information about your purchased items other than the dollar amount of the purchases has been provided. And that's why it's important, and I covered this with the commissioner, as you'll listen to in a few minutes, that if you uh, purchase gift cards, for example, or you purchase digital items, uh, they counted everything in the aggregate. So if there are things that aren't subject to sales tax, like the gift cards, or subject to a lower amount of sales tax, like a digital purchase, here in Connecticut, it's only 1% versus our usual 6.35% sales tax then give a call to the Department of Revenue Services, provide them with the uh, item history on those things, and they'll deduct that uh, from what you owe. But the big focus here is this notion that Newegg had that there was a new law uh, that required all of this. Now let's go and look at the letter uh, that the State Department of Revenue Services sent to Newegg in the first place. This is something we didn't have when I uh, talked about this the other night. So the Connecticut Department of Revenue Services is sending you this letter, you meaning Newegg, uh, because the company is making sales into the state of Connecticut. Pursuant to the authority set forth in the Connecticut General Statutes, uh, Section 12, or Chapter 12, Section 426, 4, and 5, DRS is investigating the character of the business that company, that's the, uh, the, the mail merge field there, uh, conducts in the state of Connecticut and is requiring company to provide information detailing its sales into the state of Connecticut. Specifically, DRS is requiring you to provide electronic sales records for all individual sales shipped to Connecticut addresses for the calendar years 2014, 2015, and 2016. Please refer to the attachment to this letter for details about the electronic records that must be submitted. In lieu of sending your records in for sales into Connecticut, and this is a key paragraph here, DRS will afford company the option of voluntarily registering for prospective collection and remittance of Connecticut sales and use tax. You can do this by completing the enclosed Reg 7 registration application. Please submit the electronic Connecticut destination sales records or register your business with Connecticut by three weeks from the date of this letter. And they have people that they can call for more information about this. And this is the key thing. There's an or here. You can provide the data that we're looking for from your customers. Or if you start collecting Connecticut sales tax moving forward, we're not going to need that data from you and they won't go after your customers. A new egg chose to give them the customer data and not begin collecting Connecticut sales tax. And that is why we got to where we are. That was the choice that the letter made here. 
Now, it's important to note here is that the statutes being referenced in the letter are not a new law. These laws have been on the books forever, and the commissioner has always had the authority to go after companies and ask them to open up their books and uh, show them what they're looking for. And uh, there really wasn't a new law that required New Egg to do this, but there was a change to the law, perhaps a new law, that added a penalty for New Egg for not complying, which is probably the law that they're referring to. So let's move on now to New Egg's statement. The first piece we would like to offer is a link to the law that got all of this started. You can find it here, and this link is to uh, exactly the same statute that was quoted in the letter. Again, not new, and they acknowledge this, that it isn't a uh, new law here in a second. They say, you can see this gives the commissioner of the Department of Revenue authority to require the filing of information about a seller's sales to Connecticut residents. And they said here, although this law has been around for a while, there were two important developments last year. One, the Commissioner of, of the Department of Revenue Services issued a press release on March 28, 2017, announcing more aggressive enforcement of this law. And I'll put links to uh, all of this stuff in the show notes that you'll see attached to this podcast or down in the video description. Two, House Bill 7312 was passed putting into law a number of taxation and collection clauses, including penalties for online retailers who don't comply. Now, I went in and looked through that uh, that statute that was created, the public act that came out of that bill. And there really was only one piece of uh, legislation in there that really impacted what Newegg is talking about. And that is this uh, new section 46 of uh, the statute that covers a lot of this stuff. And this is what I think Newegg is referring to when they say new law. Now, this doesn't compel Newegg to give over anything that uh, they could have refused to hand over before, but this does institute a penalty. Um, so the way this new statute reads is that if the commissioner provides written notice to a person specifying a deadline by which such person is required to produce books, papers, or records for the examination or investigation under subdivision 4 of section 12-426, which is the statute that covers this stuff, of the general statutes, or file an information report under subdivision 5 of said section, and such person fails to comply by such deadline, again, that letter had the deadline in it, the commissioner may impose on such person, and a person could also be a company, a civil penalty of $500 per violation. Now, initially, you look at this and say, $500 per violation, that's not a big deal. Newegg could certainly afford to pay a $500 violation. But uh, the problem, perhaps, for Newegg was as the, uh, the statute keep, kept going here. Uh, each distinct violation of said subdivision 4 or 5 shall be a separate offense, and in the case of a continued violation, each day thereof shall be deemed a separate offense. Any penalty imposed under the provisions of this sub subsection may be collected under the provisions of Section 12-35 as amended by this Act. So basically what it says here is that if New Egg decided not to comply with the law, um, they could be billed initially $500 for noncompliance, and then uh, if they continued to not comply, they could be dinged $500 a day. So we're looking at maybe $182,000 a year if they completely refuse to comply with this. But there is some question of jurisdiction as to whether or not 
uh, Newegg would even uh, be you know, liable for these funds because they don't have a Connecticut presence at all. They don't have stores here. They don't have a warehouse here or anything that would give them the physical nexus. But uh, nonetheless, the new law here was a penalty that Newegg would be under, along with the uh, commissioner deciding to take a more aggressive stand on these companies that are not collecting Connecticut sales tax, but doing a lot of Connecticut sales. And I think that was the new law uh, that they were referring to. But again, this doesn't really change anything because the law uh, existed for a long time that the commissioner could ask Newegg at any time to provide this information. But now that there's a penalty perhaps involved with this uh, request. Uh, that was what finally compelled them to turn over your data. So uh, keep that in mind. And the Newegg statement continues by saying several other states have enacted laws which require remote sellers to report certain sales data. The law in one of those states has already been upheld after a legal challenge lasting about five years. When the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear the latest challenge to that law in late 2016, the law was upheld and went into effect. They also finished by saying, in regards to your other questions, we cannot answer them at this time. We are working on our policies to better address our customers' concerns. And I'll uh, let you know what I asked them in a second here. But I wanted to talk about the uh, law that they were referring to. So uh, on screen right now for video watchers is a uh, background here from a website called Sovos that I think does compliance work for uh, different companies. And there's a link in the uh, video description or the podcast show notes for where you can find the background statement I'm going to read off here. Uh, and basically, the Colorado rule here uh, requires that a company like Newegg that's not collecting sales tax notify purchasers that even though no tax is being collected, use tax may be due and payable by the, the purchaser to the Department of Revenue. And I think they have to do that on every uh, thing that the customer gets from the company, even during checkout. The second item in the Colorado law is that uh, Newegg and other companies not collecting sales tax uh, must notify customers who purchase more than $500 worth of goods in a given year uh, with an annual report that shows their purchases broken down by date, category, and amount. So at the end of the year in Colorado, many of you watching might live in Colorado, uh, you get a statement from all of these companies that you've bought from telling you what you owe uh, to your state taxing authority because the company that sent you the statement isn't collecting sales tax. Uh, that's item two on here. The third item is that in Colorado, uh, Newegg and other companies are required uh, to turn over this sales data to the government to make sure that you're being honest on your tax returns. But this is a very specific law. Connecticut law isn't that specific. In fact, in this instance, what happened was uh, Connecticut asked in a letter for this information saying that they have the authority to ask for it, but it's not a specific thing in statute uh, like the Colorado law, law is here. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how this would go for the company. The chances are that if this case was uh, upheld and not heard by the Supreme Court. It's likely that Newegg may have suffered a similar fate here, but uh, in the case of the Connecticut tax issue, uh, Newegg had a choice to make, and they chose to turn over the data. We'll cover what some of their choices are here in a second. Now, I did want to let you know what I asked Newegg in, in, in getting the statement from them. Um, the first thing I asked them was, what new law is Newegg referring to in its communication with customers? We were able to get that from them. I also asked them, what was the metric used to weigh disclosing customer data to Connecticut versus working out an agreement to collect sales tax to avoid the disclosure? They didn't really cover that. They talked about 
uh, what their penalties might be in not complying, but not why they didn't consider uh, just uh, paying the, the tax or, or collecting the tax moving forward and not having to disclose customer data. That we don't know yet. Uh, maybe one day they'll tell us that, that the answer to that question. Uh, and I also asked them what information was turned over to the government, and it looks like, at least from what Newegg has said and what you'll hear from the commissioner in a few minutes, they do not know what you bought. At least Newegg does, but the government doesn't know what you bought. Uh, they just passed along uh, your, enough information for them to know uh, who in Connecticut took possession of a certain amount of dollars, but not what those items were. So again, if you have purchased things that uh, you feel are not subject to tax or should be subjected to a lower tax like digital items, then you need to go in and figure out what those are and send something off to the Department of Revenue to contest that. And the commissioner will tell you uh, some ways you can do that in the interview. But Newegg had four options here that I think are important to point out. The first option is, is that they could have collected Connecticut sales tax moving forward and then they would not have had to turn over the data. Again, this was a voluntary uh, a transmission of customer data to the state. There was no law compelling Newegg to do this. There was laws saying that the commissioner can ask for it and get it from them, but uh, it's questionable as to whether or not that jurisdiction may exist or not. The commissioner says he has the jurisdiction, but uh, you know who knows what would have happened if a uh, court case came about. But the bottom line here, as you'll find out, is that there was no subpoena issued here. This was a voluntary uh, transmittal of data, and had they decided to collect Connecticut sales tax, they wouldn't have had to to give the data to the state. There was a choice that they made. Now, they could have ignored or contested the order. Uh, that is something that a few retailers you'll hear are actually doing. So that is something they could have done, which they didn't do. Uh, they could have you know, ignored and contested that order and started to pay the fine that they uh, would have been imposed upon. And uh, that was something that they could have considered as well. Or they could have turned over the customer records, which is what they did here in the end. So Newegg had a choice to make here, and they chose to turn over the customer records, uh, which looks like it was, the, for them at least, the path of least resistance. And with Connecticut being a small state, not that many customers are impacted. A few of us might be you know, complaining about it, but they probably figured this will pass and they'll continue uh, not collecting sales tax. But uh, my concern is what happens when the next state asks for this data. They'll probably just turn it over to them as well. So uh, there's more to come on this. But I do want to get to the commissioner's interview now to hear his side of the story. I did offer Newegg to come on camera as well so we could dive a little deeper into this, but uh, they only wanted to provide the statement. So I'm grateful they did that. But uh, we're going to get more detail from the commissioner. So let's hear what he has to say. So joining me now is the Commissioner of the Department of Revenue Services here in Connecticut, Kevin Sullivan. Commissioner, thank you for joining us on the show. Uh, you're also the and you're also the president of the Federation of Tax Administrators, so I'm sure there's going to be a national discussion here too. So I wanted to talk about um, this use tax issue uh, and also how it relates to Newegg. And one of the things that's funny about what I do is that a lot of my viewers come in from other countries where this whole notion of a sales tax and a use tax is a literally foreign concept to them. So maybe just talk briefly about uh, what the use tax is, in particular about how it works in Connecticut, but maybe other states as well, and then we can get into what happened with Newegg. I'll be the first to acknowledge that I don't think most taxpayers probably know that there's a use tax, although every year when you file your income tax, there's a form that you're directed to that you must fill out and swear that you have disclosed all on-tax purchases uh, in the state of Connecticut. Every state that has a sales tax has a use tax. And the use tax essentially is a tax on the consumption of the product or service if 
the tax, the sales tax has not been collected by the seller. And that's the problem here, that uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in states are, are lost and therefore shifted to other taxpayers because many of these online companies either refuse to collect and remit tax, or worse than that, they advertise themselves as having tax-free tax sales when in fact they're passing the burden along to the purchaser. And that's certainly what, what happened here, right? That Newegg was not collecting sales tax and uh, Connecticut obviously is one of the states that has been uh, struggling to maintain its revenue. And I guess the loss of retail in the state has an impact on state sales tax collection yeah, also, and, right? It's unfair and it's also, I think, an unfair burden on taxpayers. Now let's be clear, every company like the one that we're talking about was given a letter that said, we would like you under an existing statute we are asking you to provide a list and the total purchases of your customers for three years, which is the statute of limitations. Or, let me underline or, you can simply agree going forward to collect and remit sales tax, and we're done. So, so it's really Newegg that made this choice. So they, they didn't get a subpoena. They weren't compelled here. You sent them a letter, and they just gave you the data. That, that is correct. And uh, we would have given, the, you know, we are talking, this is not the only company, obviously, we're talking with. So there may be circumstances where we do have to end up subpoenaing this data. Our preference is not that. Over 110 companies, because of this same letter, have agreed to collect and remit in the state of Connecticut. So that was where we're headed with this. And we believe ultimately they have an obligation to do that. Newegg disagrees with us about that. So we said, okay, if you don't want to collect and remit, then we want the data. And so they gave the data. And what would happen if they just, so, so let's take, for example, maybe they said, well, look, we have no physical nexus in the state, meaning they don't have any infrastructure here in Connecticut. Um, they got rid of their affiliates when there was a law passed in Connecticut to attach affiliates as a nexus for that, uh, for that company. Um, they don't, I don't even think they're registered as a foreign entity in Connecticut. So if they said to you, hey, you've got no jurisdiction here whatsoever, what would your recourse have been had they ignored well, that letter? Well, our first response is we do have jurisdiction uh, based on what is essentially looked at Massachusetts, Rhode Island, other states, and our state is a very, very broad nexus law. So we would take the position as Massachusetts and Rhode Island do. Rhode Island took this position, which is why uh, Amazon, it's a story about Amazon, they just sent their purchase list to, to, uh, to Rhode Island. The fact that all of these companies create a presence in the state because of the technology that they load onto the buyer's computer, which is part of the fulfillment process, and frankly, it's part of the, the promotional process and part of monitoring their customers. So we would argue they do have physical presence in a modern sense in the state of Connecticut. Remember, the whole physical present thing goes back to 1980-something before there was even an Internet, and there's certainly before the Internet sales were the primary form of retail. It only really applied to uh, ma U.S. mail and common carrier delivery. They said that, it, it, you know, that, that was the off-limits. That's what they were talking about. The world has changed. That's one of the reasons why there's a case before the Supreme Court, too. But we're confident of the jurisdiction. Even if we don't have jurisdiction, we're confident that the law that we have that says that anyone must provide a sales record so that we can, in fact, audit whether or not they are complying or not complying in Connecticut. And did um, uh, w there wasn't a new law then that you're that you're 
following here. There wasn't anything the legislature passed in the last two years or something that created this. Because Newegg told customers in an email, my, myself included, I got your letter, by the way. Um, ah. <laughs> um, but they told customers, myself I'm sure it was wrong when you said oversight that you got it. Completely. But I wrote you a check anyhow, so we're all square now. But, <laughs> um, but you know, the, they, uh, they said in the letter that this was a new law, a recent law. But it, it doesn't sound like that's the case here. No, this, the law that we've operated under goes back uh, to the, uh, the late 80s, quite frankly. Uh, Connecticut is one of the first states to sort of begin to take a look at this whole area of what is the state's obligation and jurisdiction for online sales. This is one of those great cases I often talk about when I talk about tax policy, where there's this fundamental disconnect between the marketplace and traditional, traditional approaches to taxation in the marketplace. We're all geared up, all the states, for a world where you go down the street, walk in a store, look at a product, pick it out, buy it, and pay sales tax on it. More and more people are either going to that store, getting a price check, and then getting online to buy it, which is even more unfair, or they're just not going to the store at all. They're just getting online and making major purchases. Uh, and uh, that's what you see, and that's why this, this, this loophole is being increasingly closed by states, and, and we're very serious about it. The taxes that are not collected as a result of this, which are due, uh, essentially get shifted to other people, and that's not fair either. Right, and, and also probably puts some unfair burden on state on people within the state that are trying to sell at retail or something, right? Because they're, they're at well, a cost. Well, it does. I mean, you know that if, you're, if you've got a, a piece of computer equipment that you sell in your store in your community, and, it's, uh, and you have to set up the cost of doing sales tax collection, that's a business cost, and you have to essentially say, by the way, that $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 purchase now has a 6.5% sales, 6.35% sales tax, as opposed to somebody who's online going, buy tax-free. And, and if you look at New Egg stuff, they're very, they're very cagey about how they do it, but it's very clear that the message they give customers is, oh, if you buy it through us, you don't have to pay tax. Right. And, and they, they think say is, we don't have to collect tax is what they really say. They don't say to you, but by the way, you owe it. Right. And then, then, of course, the letter, <laughs> the letter comes out and, and you're off and running with it. it, it is, now, is, we also, just to be clear, as you saw from the letter that you inadvertently got, <laughs> uh, that we are offering this, this moment in time as a kind of settlement of these past claims. So we have said to people, yes, we expect you to pay the tax, but we're going to forgive a portion of the interest that would otherwise be due, and we're not going to charge the penalty that would otherwise be due. So we understand that this has come as a surprise to some people, not everybody, but to some people. And so we wanted to mitigate that and basically say, if you can do that, we'll give you a break and just remember to go in forward that you have this obligation. So it sounds like you sent out over 100 of these letters. Um, a lot of companies, you said, complied with the request to just start collecting moving forward. If they chose that option, um, yes. then there was no issue here, right? It just oh, continued. We'll always take forward compliance. Always take forward compliance. Generally speaking, we are not interested in retroactivity. Um, in fact, every state has taken the position, Colorado sort of started down this road that we're talking about, every state has taken the position that if you're willing to go forward retro, uh, prospectively, as Amazon did with unhosted sales uh, in Connecticut, then we're not going to go check your buyers and we're not going to check you. But if you don't do that, there's still a tax that's out there, and we're, we're going to put pressure on, on you, and we're going to put pressure on the, on, on the taxpayers. 
Now I'm going to jump in here for a second because we had an audio glitch during the recording of this interview and I lost some of my audio, but I still have the commissioner's audio. So uh, this next question we're going to hear the commissioner answer is uh, what uh, other companies did Connecticut go after? How large is this effort? So we started with the 500 largest national online retailers. We then sort of did an adjustment thinking about what their share of the Connecticut market looked would look like, because obviously we don't have that data. Uh, we then sent letters out and to those that were not already registered and filing sales tax in the state of Connecticut. So we took all of that group off the table first. Then we started with, uh, actually we started working from the bottom up, not the top down, in terms of volume, and sent out a few hundred of the first letters. And we will be sending out more of these letters as time goes by, working through the list. So out of the first, is actually more than a few hundred, because there was a few thousand in the first distribution. Out of that, as I said, I think something like now 110 companies who had not previously collected and remitted sales tax for their online sales have agreed uh, to, uh, to begin to do so. They've given us dates. Most of those dates happen to be next month for some reason, but we are confident they will honor that agreement. And so essentially we've entered into what is a form of settlement with them saying your, your prospective compliance satisfies. You do not have to worry about your past noncompliance. Your prospective compliance is, is, is the settlement we make with you. And then on the basis of that, those who didn't agree, a number didn't respond at all, a number simply said stop it. And you know, as you can imagine. And then some, maybe a handful, three, four, five, actually so far have provided customer lists. The biggest response though was compliance. And, and that's where we were headed. I mean, we want to deal with the company. It's easier for everybody. It's certainly easier for the consumer. Um, but New Egg really left us no choice. So we decided that this would be our test case and uh, there may be others. And then I asked the commissioner, uh, what information did New Egg provide to the Department of Revenue Services just to make sure they were being truthful with customers that they did not hand over any purchase data beyond just the sales totals for the year? Let me, let me assure people, what we don't know is what people bought. No, no, and I, again, I, I have, the last thing I wanna know is, is Maybe not with respect to this company, but I can think of a whole lot of others that are online. I really don't want to know what your purchases are. I, I, I would like to know how much, but not what. And then I asked how you might be able to contest some of these taxes if you feel like you should not owe them. And he offered some insight into that. There, we will take any evidence that rebuts the obligation and any reasonable evidence, and we'll certainly treat it accordingly. I, I actually had one. This was a fun one. Um, who objected because uh, he had bought all these things online, quite a bit actually, but given away to people out of state as presents, and therefore he shouldn't have been charged use tax because they weren't used in Connecticut. Well, the reality is use is taking title and possession. Now, had he sent though, had he said, Company X, I want to buy this and I want you to send it directly to my cousin in Massachusetts, directly to my uncle in Mississippi. There's no use tax there.
But when you take possession in Connecticut, when you when you take ownership, what you do with it from there, it's just like going down to the street, getting a box, wrapping it up and sending it to Mississippi. It's no different. And then I also asked him about foreign sellers like GearBest and other sites that uh, operate overseas and ship their items into the United States from other countries. And uh, here's what the commissioner had to say about that. We would not have, unfortunately. I mean, we would argue that we have jurisdiction over them to the extent that they're in the state of Connecticut. The question was whether our legal efforts to enforce would be recognized by the, the foreign jurisdiction. This is an area where federal legislation, this is the one area here where federal legislation would actually be helpful to deal with foreign sales online. I mean, I've always imagined that the next step, by the way, is that I neither have my sales out of a foreign location nor my sales out of a domestic location. They're done on the satellite. So there is no jurisdiction. It's in, it's in, it's in common space. So who knows where this all goes? It's, it's the Wild West and that everybody's got different tax rates and it's hard for uh, consumers to know. And in many cases, you know, this is an instance where from the consumer standpoint, a lot of consumers, obviously the law has been there for, you know, a century or more, um, but a lot of them just didn't know about this now. And now well, it's I think become, that's true. And now it's and becoming... Lana, that's why I said we, 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 we gave, we didn't say you owe us three years of interest and a 10% penalty. We said, give us, give us the tax you owe and we'll give you one year of interest, no more than that, and we'll be done with this. And I think that's, that, that is the goal. And, and, and the good news is that one of the other things that has come along is that most of these companies, by the way, uh, have such exquisite marketing systems that they know pretty precisely exactly who bought what, when, where, where they are, and for them to be able to do the calculation of, of, of the sales tax rate in that particular jurisdiction is no great shakes. And even if it was... There are 20 or so companies now nationwide that will provide that service uh, to any, any online retailer. They will take responsibility for determining the tax rates, collecting and remitting, and then the company's off the hook if there's an error. Right. So there's, there's ways to do this if, if they really Absolutely. want to get it done. Now, what's going to happen with these companies that have told you to, to go shove it? Are they, are they uh, going to be receiving further communications and action? Probably receive a, a more stern letter, um, and indeed, we, we obviously are exploring what jurisdiction we have uh, and how we would exercise that jurisdiction to compel production of the lists. And then nationally, you're involved with this, this Federation of Tax Administrators. Um, this obviously is going to be a topic of discussion because um, Connecticut clearly made some progress here where uh, other states have not in the past um, with no new legislation either. Uh, so in the case of Newegg, for example, they have uh, made the choice now to give you the data. That sets some kind of precedent, I guess, for other states to now kind of follow suit. Do you, do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I think it is. I think what you just saw in Rhode Island, they have a new statute in Rhode Island about uh, differentiating online sellers. Uh, Amazon has agreed to provide them, because I can tell you this because it's Rhode Island's a public story, Amazon has agreed to provide them with their third-party seller lists, identifying not the purchaser, but the entity that is making sales on their third-party platform. So, in Amazon, actually, I have to give them credit. I mean, they, their position historically is, we actually believe that 
we should collect and remit on all our sales, but we don't want to be the only ones doing it because it is a competitive disadvantage. Uh, and other companies have not taken that position. Amazon's always two steps ahead of everybody anyway. Right, and um, now they have so much of a footprint that they have to do it anyhow, do. right? Has they their do. position changed at all since that's happened? Because they, they open up a new distribution center like every, every two weeks. Um, so they're in every state now or just about. Right, and, they're, and they're, they're, we have two in Connecticut, as a matter of fact. We have one and one on the way in Connecticut, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and ironically, more than you ever wanted to know, we actually have an exemption from sales tax uh, for, for uh, warehouses. Mm -hmm. It goes back quite a ways. Somebody thought we were going to become the you know, fulfillment night warehouse. I'm dating myself. Right. Fulfillment center. Okay. That um, we were going to become the fulfillment center of the universe. So the state created this tax break. I think there's only one company that's ever taken advantage of it in all of Connecticut. But I only mention that because if all they were doing was having a warehouse in Connecticut, chances are they wouldn't they wouldn't be collecting having to conduct and remit tax. And I think in the Amazon thing, especially with the third-party sellers, it can be complicated for consumers too, because oftentimes, you know, we're seeing this now with counterfeit merchandise also, that uh, you go on, you see the item, and you don't realize it's a third-party seller because it's in that buy box. So you click, 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 the item shows up, and now you're on the hook for use tax without, uh, without knowing it. Uh, do you think maybe there's some, something that can be done to make it easier for consumers to comply with the tax? Um, we talked offline about this because I, I'm an LLC, so the things that I purchase through this LLC, I report every month on my sales tax return that I send to the state for, because I do pay sales taxes on any Connecticut activity I do. Um, do you think there might be a way that consumers might be able to pay this on a more rolling basis as opposed to just at the end of the year? Are there things that they should be thinking about? Well, most, most consumers uh, don't pay it at all. Let's put okay. it <laughs> right. uh, second, second of all, I mean, that's worthy of consideration. Again, my, as a tax administrator, my goal is not to spend my life collecting use tax. My goal is to get to the point where the sellers have taken the responsibility for assessing the tax, collecting the tax, remitting the tax, and the innocent buyer is, is fine. I mean, we would not take the position, I hope, want to take the position, for example, that let's say it's a store in Connecticut. I don't want to have to have a situation, I would never want a situation where there's a sales tax due, but you take the product, go home and fill out a form to send us the sales tax. That's why we have point of sale collection. So point of sale collection for online is the solution. And that would be it. If they That's did it. it. That's it. Now, where do you see this going now? We've got that Supreme Court case you mentioned. Obviously, we don't know what the Supreme Court will end up deciding, but uh, it feels like, just my gut on this, because I follow this, all these industries very closely, that we're seeing more and more of the big people now taking sales tax. It's becoming less of an issue with consumers. I had a lot of people, I posted a video two days ago about the new egg situation and how it, you know, how it impacted me and other people. And uh, a lot of consumers responded on that email, surprisingly so, saying that they have been looking for online retailers that actually charge tax so they don't have to deal with it. So it looks like there's a shift also in the consumer space here that, yeah, I got to pay the tax and more of these retailers are doing that. Where do you see this Supreme Court case going? Where do you That's see your colleagues going? That's a very good going? point. Very good point. Because my wife and I, for example, make very deliberate choices. And of course, for me, it's very important. I would never want to be found right. as not the tax due. You don't want to be sending but a letter to yourself. We make very right? deliberate choices. 
very deliberate choices about companies that will collect and remit. So we don't, we just don't choose somebody who's not going to do that. Um, one, because we don't want to get stuck, and two, we don't want the inconvenience. So that is a good model. Uh, the court case uh, is a South Dakota case. Um, Supreme Court uh, took it. I'm sure the Supreme Court didn't take it just to talk about it. Uh, I have no doubt that there will be new direction. It'll probably be in spring. They're going to be concerned about retroactivity. They don't want to have a situation where people who sort of were under the old regime are now facing 10, 20, 5, 6, 3 years of tax liability. That's fair. They're probably going to be concerned about some sort of de minimis standard so that mom's peach preserves that sells five jars a year online in, in, in Wisconsin from Connecticut is not going to be caught in having to deal with the whole rigmarole of collecting and remitted taxes. But I do think it's probable that they're going to say that Quill was right for 1992 in that marketplace for those forms of fulfillment. Quill is just wrong now, and, and it, 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 it needs to change. Well, we'll leave it there, and uh, we'll see what happens in the coming months. I do appreciate you coming on and talking about this a little bit, because there's been a lot of um, new egg uh, at the time that we're recording this interview have not yet issued an official statement on this. And uh, one of the things that got me going on this was the fact that they said there was a new law, and apparently there wasn't a new law. Thank oh. you for confirming that. So uh, that answers some questions there. And hopefully this will give some people watching some ideas to what to expect perhaps in their own state, because again, I'm sure your colleagues at the uh, National Federation there will be looking at this very closely and probably doing similar things in their jurisdictions. So um, I would, you know, uh, start getting your records in order, <laughs> just to be safe on exactly. that. So. Well, great. Well, thank you very much, Commissioner. And uh, we'll bring you back on if we have any more tax questions coming up. Thanks, Lon. Thank you. So there you have it. Our first podcast is over. If you've been watching the video stream on YouTube, I would love for you to tell me at the bottom here whether you got through the whole thing or not and what you thought. This is certainly a longer form piece of content for YouTube, but I think will work very well uh, in audio format. My plan for this podcast moving forward is to uh, bring on other experts in different areas of products that we cover here on the channel and uh, talk about things without the restriction of time. Because again, audio podcasts, you tend to have more time to consume them, and uh, that's the angle I'm going with here to really just cover the detail, kind of sit back and relax and uh, take people through a little journey into some piece of consumer technology and perhaps some consumer technology policy as well. So let me know what you think. Uh, you can email me directly at lon at lon.tv or leave a comment on the YouTube video, and I will uh, take your suggestions as we move forward with this podcast. And this is podcast episode number zero. Uh, episode one will hopefully uh, get some good feedback from all of you when we move forward, and I'll have, again, different topics every single month. But that's going to do it now for episode zero of the podcast, and I'll be back again once more. So thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Lon Seidman. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters of the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, Gerard Newberg, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more.
And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.